0: Hey guys, welcome to the fourth episode of the Connected by Stories podcast. I am your host, Orwell, and today I've been joined by Jennifer as she takes us through her experience with domestic violence. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today, Jennifer.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Oh no, it's my pleasure. Really appreciate you being here. So, usually how I like to start the discussion is, you know, talking about your childhood, just taking it back to the very beginning. So can you tell us what, you know, it was like for you growing up? What was your childhood like? Give us a glimpse into that.
1: Um. Well, I mean, my childhood, we, we came from humble beginnings, very humble beginnings, but I wasn't raised in an abusive household. Like, I rarely remember my mom and dad ever, I mean, they had their little arguments here and there, you know, as a normal family does, but nothing, there was never any violence, you know, there was some arguing, but like I said, there was never no, like, you know, my dad never hit my mother. We were, you know, it was three, four of us children, and um, it's just, I, I can't say it stemmed from my childhood.
0: Yeah. So what was your relationship with your parents like?
1: Um, well, it's funny because I always knew I was different from my family. I just kind of felt like, you know, I was like the black sheep of the family. Like there was just something different about me. Um, and there was (laughs) because my mother, okay. So my mother and my father are Caucasian and my sisters, of course, and my brother were Caucasian, but I just felt different. And then at 10, my mother told me I had a different father. But she left out the part that my father's african American, <laughs> and <laughs> so th- i you know I was right. I knew that there was something different about me because you know here my sisters had you know straight blonde hair, straight jet black hair, my brother had straight blonde hair, and here I had this curly afro kind of hair, if you will, and I had a year long tan, and so I, I just <laughs> always <laughs> felt something was different. And- <laughs> And plus, you know, I was, unfortunately, I was bullied a lot in school. Uh, We always grew up in a predominantly Caucasian, you know, uh, community. And I was always being called these horrible names as, you know, in school. And I just never understood why. And of course, my parents didn't tell me, you know, the real reason why. They just always said, oh, you know, you're dark complected, just ignore them. Because back then, you know, we didn't really put a title on bullying, like we have now. And um it yep. was it was that was tough. That was really tough. And you know, I just always felt like my parents didn't protect me. You know, I was always just told to ignore it, you know, and it and that hurt. And then finally at like 12, I kind of figured it out cuz I started hanging out in town, you know, in the city cuz I grew up in the country. And then I started being around more African American kids, and then I started being around biracial kids. And I was like Hey, we kind of resemble each other, you know, with the hair and the, and the complexion. And then my African-American friends were always like, girl, are you mixed? Are you mixed? And I'm like, no, you know, I just got Indian in my family. But then it just really started, you know, I started connecting the dots. And, um, and then at that time, like we, I never grew up in like a racist family, but my parents had, um, they, they didn't let me hang out with any, um, of my of my black girlfriends. I couldn't hang out with them. I couldn't go to their house, which I found odd. And uh, long story short, at 15, I was a very rebellious child. And um, I started dating um, some, you know, African American guys. And then I had a boyfriend and I got pregnant by an African American guy. So my mom had to finally tell me the truth then that, you know, my father was African American. And that's when the cat came out of the bag and it's just, um, it was a relief, like I knew, but just for her to finally tell me, and then I, yeah. she would never tell me anything about him, so I don't know my biological father, but my father that raised me, you know, he was a great guy, he, so he, you know, he was a, a provider, not so much a nurturer, like I never remember, you know, I never felt like daddy's little girl, but, you know, he played softball with us, took us to practices and, you know, he was, we always had food and electricity, but I never really had that like daddy daughter relationship that I had really longed for. And then after finding out that, you know, I had a whole nother father out there, I really felt like a missing piece, you know, like something was missing from my life. And I still actually feel that way at, you know, I'm 47, I'm going to be 48 this year. Well, this month, actually. And, um, you know, it it would be nice to know my father, but, you know, I've kind of come to peace with that, you know, if I don't ever meet him, it's okay.
0: And um, you did speak about the fact that as a kid, you got bullied a lot at school. Can you just talk to us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. um, You know, I would go to school and, you know, I've, I've always been a little social butterfly and still am a social butterfly, but... You know, it was just tough because all the kids, you know, a lot of them would call me horrible names. Like, you know, they would call me the N-word. They would call me newspaper, checkered board. Like, I don't even know where checkered board came from, but um, anything. (laughs) I know, right? Like, yeah, they would call me a checkered board, you know, and I would just cry and cry. And I remember... They would tell me, you know, I had, excuse the French, but, you know, I had nigger lips. I had a nigger butt. And so I would go home and I, this is so crazy. I would stand against the wall in like fourth grade and try to make my butt flat like other girls in my class. (laughs) And oh, thank God it didn't work. But, you know, I used to try and do that. And then like I would walk down the halls you know, tucking in my lips. Not that, you know, my lips were extremely yeah. full because Lord knows I'm, I want to get injections to make them fuller, but, you know, I would tuck them in because they used to make fun of me. And then, you know, when it when my mother finally told me that, you know, my, my real father was um, African-American, then I started getting bullied, you know, by the black girls in town. Oh, you think you look good because you got good hair or you got blue eyes or you want my man? And I'm like, I don't even know who your man is, but it was just, it was really tough getting it from, you know, the Caucasian girls and the African-American girls at that time. And so, you know, I, I just, I was, you know, kind of confused back then. You know, I just wanted friends. I just wanted to be friends with everybody, but, you know, I did have a lot of good girlfriends Mm -hmm. though, that were Caucasian and were African-American too. So you know, but I did get it, you know, from both sides. And I actually went into my 20s to where, you know, I got it majority from. Um, in my 20s, it was really rough with the African-American girls at that time. But, you know, now most of my friends are all, you know, my sisters and we're all cool. And, you know, I got over that. But it was it was kind of rough, you know, growing up. But yeah. I I will say I'm t- Totally, you know, grateful and thankful to my mother, you know, for not, you know, for keeping me because having a child in 1972, you know, an African, you know, a biracial child was not the most popular thing to do at that time. So I am, you know, I give my mom a lot of, a lot of credit for that. And then my father that raised me, you know, he's my daddy. I give him a ton of credit for, you know, marrying a woman that had a, a biracial child and adopting me. And, you know, he raised me and to this day, he, he treats me like I'm his own daughter, I'm his own flesh and blood. So I'm very grateful to them for that.
0: Yeah. No, thank you for sharing that. And um, just fast forward in a little bit. So how did you meet, you know, your partner and what, what, what were things like in the beginning?
1: Wow. You know, it, it's kind of crazy because, oh, so when I met him, I was actually, you know, I was in a pretty vulnerable place. And that's usually when narcissists, um, find their prey pretty much, you know, um, he knew I was pretty vulnerable. I was, um, you know, I was living at a, at a place. I don't really want to say with friends because it really wasn't with friends. I was just kind of staying at this house.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and I had met him at this, this house and, um, um, you know, they were friends, but it, it's just, that's kind of like a whole nother story. But anyways, so we met at this house and, um, you know, I was, I was, I was attracted to him and he clearly was attracted to me and we kind of started dating. And, um, I don't think either of us really meant for it to get serious, but it did. And, um, yep. it got serious kind of fast. And um, I just was like, you know, I was at a bad place in life. And I was like, wow, you know, I think I met my knight in shining armor and he's going to take me away from all of this. And, you know, we're going to live happily ever after. And it kind of ended up being my happily never after, if you will.
0: And so with him, when did things then, you know, start to change? Like, what were the first signs of this?
1: So I think I think the signs were always there. I think the signs were there from the beginning, and I just chose to ignore them. And unfortunately, that's what a lot of us do. We see the signs, but we just, you know, we just choose to turn the blind eye to them. You know, the signs were, you know, him going missing for days, Um, him not being available when I would call, and then when we would get together. You know, it was all good when we got together, but there was just always something that wasn't right. You know, and I and I'd heard rumors that, you know, he was living with another female and that, you know, he had this whole other family. But that's not what he told me. So, you know, I believed him, of course. And then it we would have some arguments and he would, you know, he would raise his voice, but nothing too crazy at first. And then I remember the first time he slapped me was we were out at his friend's house. And I had said something when we got in the car that he didn't like. And out of nowhere, he just backhanded me. And it, it shocked me. I think the shock hurt worse than the hand across my cheek. did. Yeah. And, um, you know, he kind of got quiet. I got quiet. He We looked at each other like, OK, what do I do now? He didn't know what I was going to do. And then I just started crying. And then he was just like, you know, suck it up, shut up. You shouldn't have said what you said, blah, blah, blah. And I should have left, but I didn't, you know, because I, I was, I didn't really have no place to go. And, um, and then he knew that. And I think that he really used that to his advantage for years. Mm-hmm. Yep and so yeah the the red signs I mean no, I'm sorry, the red flags were always there, and we we just have to see them like we we want to be with that person so bad that we choose to ignore what's right in front of us, telling us to leave, go, run, run fast, but instead, we just you know we we have tunnel vision,
0: yeah, definitely, that's always the case isn't it, and in terms of him, so. From you know what you said so far, he was again very narcissistic. You know, there's always just that emotional abuse and also mm-hmm. the physical abuse. With that, like, how often did this happen?
1: Um, at first, you know it, it 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 didn't happen every time we argued, but after that first slap, um, every time we would argue, he would you know grab me by my arms or you know throw me on the on the on the floor on the on the bed or into a wall. And it just gradually got worse, you know, and then, you know, we would have that whole honeymoon phase in between, you know, incidents and things would be good. And baby, I love you. I'm sorry. I'll never do it again. And then we would argue. And and then he just, he just turned into this whole other person. It's like, this is not the man I met, you know, and then it came out yeah. that, you know, he did have a whole nother family he was living with. You know, he had a whole nother girlfriend and three kids, actually five, oh, wow. actually five kids. But he only told me about three. That's crazy. You know, oh, good thing. You know, I thank God that he gave me the gift of writing because I have writing material forever. <laughs> this man gave me so much <laughs> writing material. But, you know, and then it, it just it got to the point to where he knew that I wasn't going to leave. I was not going to go anywhere. And he yeah. used that to his advantage that you know it, it wasn't just you know physical abuse it was that emotional verbal you know he even used the financial abuse and financial is something that a lot of people aren't aware of you know he used you know everything was always his money you know if i worked of course that was my money but my money was like our money and his money was like his money you know he um we he had a lot of money And, you know, I never wanted for, and you know, I never needed for anything. You know, he was very, you know, he spoiled me materialistically, but he also, I believe, because he gave me so much materialistically wise that he knew that I was not going to leave that.
0: And um, you did say that um, things, you know, after the first time things progressively got worse, can you talk to us, you know, can you just shed more light about how things got worse and like what, what was he doing?
1: Things got so bad. It it got it got to the point to where like he just totally disregarded my feelings. He was constantly cheating on me. Um he constantly, you know, just would just stomp on my self-esteem anytime any chance he could get. I mean, he had so many affairs. He, it, it was so bad that he had two children outside of our relationship. Um, one before we got married, one after we got married. So he had two children outside of our relationship, numerous affairs, you know, and, and I was just so beat down and I, he would always tell me, you know, you can't make it without me. You're, you couldn't take, you know, I, we had two children together. I had a child before I met him you know, with another gentleman. And then him and I had two children. And he had, you know, five children before we got together. So, you know, we had a house full of kids. And then the two children he had after we got together. And he used to always tell me, you know, you can't make it without me. You won't be able to take care of our kids without me. You need me. You know, he was very explicit in his in his language towards me. And You know, and I just, you know, once you get told that over and over and over again, you start to believe it, even though it's not true. I mean, looking back now, I definitely could have made it without him.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, while all this stuff was happening, did you have any support from anyone around you? Was there anyone you could talk to, anyone you could confide in?
1: You know, it's funny because I didn't, of course, you know, tell anybody. You know, the only ones that knew were like my two best friends. At the time. And, you know, it, it, honestly, and this may sound crazy, I never considered myself a victim of domestic violence. Through all the slaps and punches and hits and looking at myself with black eyes in the mirror, I never thought I was a victim of domestic violence. You know, it was. And why is that? It, to me, I just, I refused to put that title on me. I, I just always looked, yeah. and I really didn't know. You know, I honestly, I didn't know that that's what I was going through. I just really thought that, oh, you know, we argued, we got into a fight. You know, it's I knew it was wrong as, you know, as as volatile as it was. But I was not one of those women that you saw on TV. I just refused to believe that. And, you know, my my two best friends, you know, they would always tell me, you know, girl, you need to leave him. That's wrong what he's doing, blah, blah, blah. Everybody was telling me to leave, but nobody was really telling me how. And I think that that's what we're missing, you know. And so to anybody who's listening out yeah. there, if you have a girlfriend that's going through this, don't be so quick to judge her and, or him and tell them you need to leave. You need to leave without giving them a how and helping them put together a plan. Because we can leave all day long, but then when we leave, what do we do? we're not mentally prepared, we're not financially prepared, you know. Of course I didn't really tell my family. And, um, you know, I did leave a couple, you know, I left several times, but I I wasn't prepared to leave, so I ended up back. And um, that was, uh, every time I would go back, that just proved his point even more, that I told you, you couldn't make it without me.
0: And how many times did this happen? How often did you leave and oh, come
1: back? Uh- <laughs> Well, you know, it takes a an, an abused woman. It studies have shown that it takes a victim of domestic violence to leave at least 7 times before she stays gone. And I probably mm. left 7 times 10. <laughs> it felt like I left about 70 times and I went right I'm I'm exaggerating, but it felt oh, like, it. I, mean, I probably left a good, I probably would say I left a good 10. I left about 10 times <laughs> and and ended up back. And then finally um, I left for good, but it took me years. I You got to remember, I met him when I was, I had just, I was just turning 18. So I was, lit- I was still 17 and um, I didn't leave him until I was 30. My daughter was born. I was 32. I didn't leave him until I was like 34. 34 years old. Oh, wow. That's a very long time. That's an extremely long time. And we got married when I was 31. And I thought that, you know, oh, if we get married, everything's going to be better. It's going to change. You know, he's going to stop cheating. The abuse is going to stop. And this is just going to be, you know, the the cure to everything. This is going to be, this is going to fix it. And I couldn't have been more wrong. Hmm. That was the worst thing that I could have ever did was thinking that a wedding ring was going to fix the abuse. I always tell people, uh, a ring won't save a, a marriage. A baby's not going to save a marriage. And, it, it, yeah, and
0: that's a sentiment I know a lot of people can echo as well.
1: Yeah, oh, if I just have his baby, he'll it'll get better. Or if he just marries me it'll get better. Or if I have a threesome with them, no, I'm kidding. But some women will go to the extremes to like, I like to joke around and, you know, have fun because I'm so happy right now. Yeah. You know, I was just joking about the threesome, but you know, people, people <laughs> yeah. will go to extremes to save their marriage, even though like, it's not supposed to be saved. You know, like if it's not, if it, if that relationship's dead, let it flatline, quit trying to bring it back to life. And that's what we do. And I think that women, you know, we're naturally fixers. You know, we think we can fix everything. We think we can fix broken people. We can't fix everything. And that's something that we really need to come to terms with. And I, and I, I actually yeah. talk about that. I wrote a book and um, I did a video. It's called Girl, We Need to Talk and and i touch on that a lot about you know we we think we can fix everybody and it's and narcissists we cannot fix them they need way more help than what we can give them
0: 100% yeah i definitely agree with that and um you did talk about you know how statistically a lot of you know women going through this tend to leave at least seven times mm-hmm. so with you when you left you know finally for the last time what led you to that decision like you know what made you finally decide you know what this is the last time
1: um it's so when i left the the time before so i had left several times but the i had the time before the last time i left i had already been out of the house um i had my own apartment and um you know of course he was you know trying to woo me back and You know, let's go out on a date. And so we had went out to, it was um, his oldest daughter's son's birthday party, our grandson. And, you know, it was a big family picnic in the summer. It was a beautiful day. And his sisters didn't like me for whatever reason. They just, there was really no reason, but whatever, they didn't like me. And one of them, thought she was you know gonna throw a jab at me, not literally a jab, but she brought the baby he had just had um with the last affair to the to the birthday party, trying to hurt me, and didn't tell him that he she was bringing this baby, the child. Yeah. And, you know, I have nothing against children. You know, all of our kids are close to this day. I'm actually close with all of the other baby mamas, you know, if you will. And so, you know, when he's when when she arrived with the, the child, you know, it did kind of throw me back a little bit. You know, it was like a gut punch, knocked the air out of me a little bit. But, you know, I'm, I'm a woman. I'm, I'm a I'm going to be I'm a bigger woman than she is. So, you know, he was like, do you want to leave? Are you good? I was like, this is your child. This is your son. I'm not, we're not leaving because your, your child is here. So we had a great day. You know, we had a great birthday party. And, you know, of course his sister wasn't happy that I wasn't happy. You know, I was happy. I was good. She wasn't going to bother me. So after we left the party, we, we had my, our daughter with us and she was like a year and a half at that time. And so we had went to down, there was a festival going on downtown. I live in the Detroit um, area in Michigan. And there was a nice festival going on, so we took the, okay. you know, we stopped at the festival on the way home and, and I just casually said to him, um, you know, why, you know, are you going to say anything to your sister, you know, for not kind of giving you heads up or letting, you know, giving us heads up that she was going to bring the baby and he lost it. It was like, he was looking for a reason to argue. And he lost it and he started yelling at me, talking about he can't control what other people do and I need to get over it and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, you know what? It's time to go. Cause we were out in public. So we get in the car and we start driving home and we're just, you know, of course, still, you know, he's just still arguing. And then I start arguing. And as I'm driving, that left hand came out of nowhere and he just backhanded me while I was driving. And we're on the freeway and I have my daughter in the car in the car seat. And it just got out of control. And so when I got off at our exit, he was like, you know, let me out of the car. And I gladly pulled over on the side of the road to let him out. But he didn't quite get out of the car. And it just, it was really, really bad. And he just started beating me in the car. And I, what clicked for me, I heard my daughter's screams louder than my screams. And as he's punching Mm -hmm. me, and I hear her screaming in the car seat, I said, I'm done. This is it. If I make it out alive, I'm done. And I made it out, and I ne- and I never went back after that. I, at that point, I had to love my child more than I loved him or I loved myself.
0: Yeah. And um, with leaving, so how did you leave? Did you just tell him you were leaving? Well, no,
1: remember, I had already been gone. I had already been gone for like a month. I had already oh. had my own apartment. And when I left at that, the when I got my own apartment, no, I didn't tell him, <laughs> you know, he used to, you know, I, we did have some good times, but I know we're talking about the bad times now, but he used to always want to just see me down and out and with nothing, I guess, to prove his point that, you know, I couldn't make it without him. And so we had a house and he paid the house note and I paid the, you know, the utility bills. That's just always what we did. And one day I was checking the mail and I get an envelope from the mortgage company saying that we haven't paid the mortgage in three months and they were going to foreclose on our house. And I was like, what? Wait, this is wrong because he pays the rent every month, you know, the mortgage every month. So I went went downstairs and I was like, you know, do you have your receipts? Because I just got opened up a letter stating that we haven't paid the mortgage in three months. And he's watching TV and he looks at me and he's like, I haven't. And I was like, what do you mean you haven't? He's like, I haven't paid the mortgage. He's like, if you want to pay it, go ahead. He's like, I'm not paying the mortgage anymore. And I'm like, it's three months behind. Why would you now just tell me this? He just went back to watching TV and he's like, figure it out. Oh wow! And so I went went upstairs and I'm crying. I'm like, oh my God, you know, I have two kids. What am I going to do? You know, why would he do this? And I was, you know, crying and I'm doing laundry or whatever. And I have, God is so good. I had was clean you know. I always, you know, check everybody's pockets before I do laundry, and there was a real estate agent's card in his po- in his pants pocket, so I knew at that point he had been looking for a house. He was trying to get the house foreclosed, not give me any warning, so I would end up on the streets. But God showed me what He was doing, and so I was able to get an apartment before the house got foreclosed. Yep. yep so you know, I was already prepared and he was a little upset about that because he thought he was going to leave me homeless. But, you know, God is good. And I ended up having my own apartment. So that last time, you know, when he hit me and will beat me, I should say, and I said, I was done. Thank God I had my own place to go to. And so,
0: yep. Yeah. That's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And in terms of him, like whenever, like, you know, the abuse would occur, was that usually in front of the kids?
1: Both both he was a yeller he liked to yell a lot and he didn't care who heard um you know whether the kids were there or he would he was notorious for like getting mad and then like going outside and hollering and like talking to himself and i'm like dude like the neighbors don't need to hear this but he didn't care you know and the kids heard a lot and saw a lot that you know i regret and and i wish i would have left sooner You know, I want to say this to to my ladies out here that, you know, are going through abuse. Don't stay for the kids. You know, we always say, oh, I can't leave because of the kids. The kids need their dad. Sweetheart, let me just tell you, you are doing more damage to the kids by staying because that's what I did. Um, The kids are better off in a house that does not have any violence in it. They kids are very resilient. They will bounce back. They'll be okay. And they can still see their dad. You just don't have to see their dad. And I remember when I left, um, it was probably, I don't know, about nine months after, you know, I had left. Our son told me, you know, he loved his dad. He's, you know, but he said, mommy, promise me you'll never go back to daddy. Yep. And I'll n- you know and he loved his dad, but he just knew that his mommy wasn't happy with his daddy you know and and my daughter's you know she's she'll be fifteen next month. she has no memories of me and her dad together, but she was daddy's little girl he raised you know he we co parented the best we could, and you know our kids are fine um he actually just to let you know um He actually passed away in August of 2018. Yeah, he passed away. And about two years, well, about a year and a half before he passed away, crazy story, we became friends. And two weeks before he passed away, he told me he was going to go to his dying breath, making it up to me everything he had put me through. And then he passed away two weeks later.
0: Yeah. And how did you guys, you know, go about, you know, reconciling? You
1: know, I I had to move on with my life. Like once I left, I, I could not. And, you know, keep in mind, this is like, you know, 14 years ago. But I at that point, I just knew I couldn't. I had to heal. I had to heal in order to get over him. I had to heal in order to move on with my life. So I literally went on like this whole journey of healing for like a year. And because I took that time out to heal and not just put a Band-Aid on this little wound and move on with my life, I literally like I had surgery on myself to, to heal myself. And I thank God that I went through that healing process because it made me a better woman. It made me to the point to where I could forgive him. I forgave myself. And when I let go of all of that unforgiveness, I was able to move on with my life. Now, was he happy about that? No. You know, he couldn't understand how was she making it without me? You know, and I just started loving life and I didn't care what he thought about me. You know, he could have all the girlfriends he wanted. He could have all the, 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 the girls living with them, dating. I didn't care because he was not my focus anymore. And I think over the years, he saw that, you know what? She's doing it. You know, she's happy. There's nothing I can say to her anymore that's going to make her mad. Or, you know, he would do everything he could to make me mad. And I just, I wouldn't let it. And so finally, I think he just gave in. It was like, you know, we got this, you know, our son was grown. Our old, You know, my oldest son that was like his son's grown. His kids were grown. You know, we just had faith. You know, my baby girl. She was the youngest, so he finally. I think he just gave in and was just yeah. like, "I have no. I, I, there's no point in fighting with her anymore, because she's way stronger now than she's than I ever knew she could be." Yeah,
0: one hundred percent.
1: Yeah,
0: and um, you spoke about taking that time off to heal so can you talk to us after that relationship what effects did it have on you and also can you also like just shed some more light on your healing process and you know the things you went through yeah in that one well
1: year? it was a little bit longer than a year um and it's actually you know i, I hate to keep dropping a plug for my book and my video but um and girl we need to talk
0: <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> that's
1: I it. uh, it's kind of shameless but i'm sorry but in my in the in the book, in the video, you know, I talk about how important it is. You have to take time to heal, because if you don't conquer what you don't want to confront, you're you're just carrying all that baggage with you. And I before I even thought about the whole healing process, you know, I just wanted to just move on with life. And so I tried to date, you know, as if I wasn't still married because he wasn't going to divorce me. Child, it took him forever to divorce me. He actually didn't divorce me until a year before he passed. We didn't get divorced until, I think it was 2017 that we got, finally got divorced. But, um, you know, he yeah. he was dating. So I tried to date. And it it was just a nightmare. It was an epic fail, me trying to date. And I wasn't healed. And... So finally, you know, I'm like, okay, something is not work. You know, I'm, I'm glad I'm free. I'm glad I'm on my own, but something is not working right. And, you know, God told me, he's like, you know, baby girl, you have to heal. You have to, there's a whole process in in this. And so I started the whole healing process. I started with, you know, first admitting something I had never admitted before that I was a victim of domestic violence. And once I admitted that and I actually said those words out loud, you know, God told me I'm a very spiritual woman. And um, God told me, he said, yes, you were a victim, but now you're a survivor. And so by God telling me that it just like empowered me. And then, you know, I had to go through the whole forgiveness stage. and, And that's a tough stage to forgive someone who's hurt you so bad. You know, and and I talk a lot about what forgiveness isn't because so many women, you know, will be like, I'm not forgiving him. He hurt me. He did this to me and he did. And honey, he did. And I'm not telling you it's going to be easy to forgive him. And I want to tell you, forgiveness does not mean that it never happened. You know, forgiveness does not mean that you should forget it. You know, it happened or you shouldn't even tell him. You don't even have to tell him. I didn't tell him I forgave him right away. You know, I I just told God that was a conversation between me and God. You know, so many people are carrying around so much bitterness, like I am not going to move on until he apologizes or I'm not going to do this until he apologizes or until she apologizes. And let me tell you something, girlfriend, you might be walking around with that for the rest of your life because technically. They, they do owe you an apology, but are they going to give it to you? Uh, not always, but they may have already apologized to God and asked God for forgiveness. And that's how they're sleeping good at night because they've already asked God for forgiveness. And I had to realize no. that I had to realize, you know what? I don't have a heaven or hell to put anybody in. So do they, do they have to apologize to me? No. Should they? Yes. But, you know, I may not ever have gotten that apology from him, which I did. But even if I wouldn't have, I still would have been okay because I let it all go.
0: Yeah, No, thank you for sharing that. That's, you know, sometimes definitely very useful. And I know a lot of people will find that I you know very so. helpful. Um, you have been talking about, you know, the book that you wrote. And also you have the Instagram page, which, you know, I follow, and I've you know seen the post you have on there. Can you just talk to us a bit more about that? So your book, and also the work you've been doing. Yes. Since
1: then. Um. So the the book is called "Girl, We Need to Talk," and it's a bundle pack with. I actually did a video, and it's it's pretty much like when you watch the video, you're like in my house, like you're sitting across from me in the kitchen. We're in the living room chilling. You know, I'm just like talking to you because, girl, we need to talk and i just wanted women to know that like you know you're not alone and i share you know some really vulnerable moments of my life in the video about my relationship you know just to let them know that you know you're not the only one you know i've been through it too and you know we can get through this together and then i wrote a little ebook um with it uh let's see i've been i wrote a stage play titled easier said than done uh, we did the play probably times, I think, when I lived in North Carolina, uh, we won an award for it in Atlanta. Um, my cast is amazing. I love my cast of Easier Said Than Done. Um, the play's great. I, I love the play because I, the reviews I've gotten on the play was, girl, we never thought we'd laugh so much at a play about domestic violence. They said the way that, yeah. you know, <laughs> I know it's crazy, right? Like who thinks they're going to laugh at a play about domestic violence, but I, I believe in edutainment. I believe you can entertain and educate at the same time. And you don't have to beat somebody over the head with, you know, you need to leave, you need to leave, you need to leave. You know, there's a way that you can get it across. And so it's not so harsh because we know we need to leave. But, oh, my God, we're scared to leave. So the play is, you know, it's it's suspenseful. It'll have you laughing. It'll have you crying. And people have told me it's had them on the edge of their seat. So we did the play and I like to do everything I do through entertainment. And my big thing is, you know, I'll tell you about, you know, you've asked me a lot of questions about the abuse and what I've gone through. And I, I, I don't mind sharing that at all. I have no problem with it. My big thing is I like to talk about life after abuse because life after abuse is so fabulous, you know, and that's what I want women to see. I want them to see you know, past their pain. I, I need you to see past your pain, sweetie, because past that pain is so, it's so amazing. Like I never in a million years, if when I was with him, if you'd have told me I'd be doing what I'm doing now, where I'm doing it at and how I'm doing it, I'd have told you you was alive from the pits of hell. No, that, that would never be me. And here I am. And it's only because of God, it's only because of my relationship with God and because I wanted to live. I wanted to live and be free. I didn't want to live in my past anymore. And I and there's so many women out there still living in their past, even though they're not even with their, their abuser anymore. So I want women to know that this life after abuse, it is fabulous. It is so amazing. It's so peaceful. I pray promise you if you just go through that journey of healing so my instagram page which is the real jennifer blue i don't i don't harp a lot about um how can i say this i don't really i don't know if you if you will hopefully you can agree with me on my page i don't put a lot of depressing stuff about domestic violence or toxic relationships yep. i kind of make light of it like you know I build. I try to empower women by making them laugh and kind of being like, you know what, I don't need him. You know what, I do deserve better. You know, what? I can not live my life without him. You know, and I and the, and in the captions, you know, I do share bits and pieces of my story with it, but I just really want women to look in the mirror and to see their strength. You know, I looked in the mirror and saw black eyes and still didn't think I was a victim of domestic violence. So we need to take off those blinders and look in the mirror and see what's inside of us, which is a lot of power that these narcissists have tried to make us believe is not there. So I'm just trying to encourage people, you know, through, um, you know, through entertainment, edutainment, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, my, my company's the um, Jennifer Blue Project, and it's where we educate, advocate and entertain.
0: That's awesome. That's amazing. Thank you for all the work. you Thank been, you, Thank you for doing. what you're
1: doing. I, I think what you're doing is, oh my God, it's so awesome. And for a man to do this, Thank we need you. more men like you out here because, and that, that's I another thing. That. I want to say to my sisters out here, not all men are bad. You know, you may have had one bad man do some bad things to you, but not all men are bad. You know, there's some really good men out there and And I'm talking we're on we're on a podcast with one of them, so thank you so much
0: Thank you so much, Jennifer. <laughs> I really appreciate it and um through the course of our com- um conversation, you've you know given lots of really good advice, but you know the final question I usually ask is what advice would you give to other people in a similar situation
1: hmm. i would I would probably you know I just wanna say. You didn't fall in love with the abuser. You fell in love with the imposter. You fell in love with this man that, or woman that portrayed to be something wonderful. So don't blame yourself. Don't blame yourself. When you see the real person, believe it. Believe who they are when you see that real person. You know, you, and when you see it, Believe the signs. Signs. These red flags, for me, at where I'm at in life, red flags are not even red flags. They're they're deal breakers for me. Um, and it can happen to anybody. You know, it doesn't make you a bad person because you fell for you know a wolf in sheep's clothing. To be honest with you, I did the same thing not too long ago. You know, and I'm a domestic violence awareness survivor, um, advocate. I'm a domestic violence survivor. I almost fell for a narcissist last year. I, it can happen. You know, they're so smooth and they're very slick. And once they, you know, they think they got you, you have to be strong enough to leave. You know, there is life after this person and it is way better than it is with that person. You do not have to walk on eggshells. You can live your life and be happy. You will laugh again. And, and trust me, you will live without this person. You know, my I have a so I have a, a lady in North Carolina. I call her my North Carolina mama and Miss Diane Black. And she is so wise. And she says, sweetie, you can live. Um, you can die living with him or you can live without him. Cause so many women think they can't live without him. So if you want to live with them, you can die living with them or you can live without him because three plus women a day die from domestic violence. And so many women think that they're not going to be part of that statistics. And unfortunately they end up yeah. being a statistic. So don't think he's not, I always hear, Oh, he's crazy, but he's not crazy enough to kill me. Please don't ever say that. Cause if he's crazy enough to hit you, to mistreat you, you don't know what he's crazy enough to really do. So love yourself more. Yeah. I'm sorry, that was a whole lot to say. I'm sure you probably just wanted like two sentences.
0: <laughs> oh, no, that was perfect. Thank you so much. That was, that was amazing. I'm a talker.
1: <laughs> yeah, that,
0: is, that is definitely something people need to hear. Thank you. So, yeah, really, really appreciate it. But, no, thank you so much for jumping on the podcast with me, Jennifer. Thank you for taking oh, the time Oh, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Thank you for asking me. Like, this is so awesome. I'm I'm super excited, and I, I wish you the best, and I hope we do this again you know i i hope we can chat again 100%. and and this is just really good please keep doing what you're doing we need more of this i actually hope that i can bring you on my podcast because i'm starting a podcast too for girl we need to talk so definitely
0: just okay. let me know whenever
1: absolutely this is great and and this is just i'm excited you've like it's still nighttime here in the states so You've definitely made my night. So thank you so much, darling.
0: My pleasure. Have a great night, Jennifer.
1: You do the same and God bless.
0: That is all for today, guys. Thank you for tuning in. Once again, I would like to thank Jennifer for sharing her story with us. I hope this has been truly helpful to anyone in a similar situation. Please know that you are not alone. To listen to more episodes, please subscribe on Spotify Apple Podcasts, and any other platform where you get your podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram at Connected by Stories. Please share this with anyone who you know that could benefit from it. If you have a story you would like to share, please feel free to reach out to me through Instagram or anonymously through Curious Cat. The link will be in the description. See you on the next episode of Connected by Stories.